Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Oh, my goodness. We are kicking it up today. Kicking it up, Benny. Just kicking it. Always. But kicking it up, like even more kicking it upper. Ooh. Yeah. Like, oh, ouch. <laughs> like, it's like I grew up in New York City. So, do you, you know, I've talked about the Rockettes. I you was know, just going to say the Rockettes because they're oh, the, high, the high steppers, right? Oh, boy. My mama. Yeah. My mama loved them. My mama. We would go down. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money. But whenever we had like an event. My mama would be like, okay, we are going to Manhattan and we are going to Radio City Music Hall and we are going to see those Rockettes. Sweet. Yeah, that's what we're doing today. We are high stepping, high kicking in total synchronicity for the most amazing show today. Because I got to tell you why, Benny. Got to tell you why. All right. I am getting a dose of this like in my life right now. The dose that I'm getting is an understanding about what this brilliant author put together in a book. And, you know, I get to read a lot of books. You know that about me. And, and I do read the mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. I read them. But I got to tell you about this. Dr. Shelley Renee Joy, joining me here today, right? Graduate Rice University, physics, okay, hold on, I got to say that. Physics scholarship and graduate with a degree in electrical engineering. Benny, you know what I owe the field of electrical engineering? Uh, you know what I owe to this field? What? Okay, here. So I told you the story of Bell Labs, that I delivered mail mm -hmm. to Bell Labs, to the secret Bell Labs people. Shh. All of them had PhDs secret. at the I know so it was secret. They were, they, we can't talk about it anymore because they want to kill you. We can't because right. this was the man that discovered the Big Bang. <laughs> uh -huh. So this is... This is the guy that would bring in bagels, and he'd be talking about the Big Bang before it was the Big Bang. Right? Yeah, you got to gotta stay uh, hydrated and, and fueled up to, to figure oh these out. Oh, my goodness. Right? Just like, <laughs> I'm like, I look back at that time, and I thought, seriously, Arno, you did what? Arno Penzias, you got what kind of award for what? Dude, that's not the important part. You remembered what kind of bagel I liked. That's what I'm talking about. But I got to tell you why this is important to talk about uh, Dr. Dr. Joy about in this way. You see, there's something about our backgrounds, whether it is what I just talked about in terms of the background of physics or the additional work that she did to finish her doctorate, right, uh, or the book that I'm about to talk with her about and we have three copies to give away. 
because what what it is that is in this book is exactly what I'm experiencing right now in my life. You know, 15 years after doing this show, a lot of books that I've read, I think Linda or Jessica counted them to be like 9,000. But 15 years, I am always in awe about what comes across my desk. So today, I am so thrilled to see somebody that took a look at consciousness, and this is me saying it, I don't think she's going to say it, but took a look at consciousness from what I consider to be both physics and spirituality. It's almost as if the, that, that physics and the science of engineering and physics and, the sci- and spirituality and the philosophy about spirituality and religion had a baby. And the baby they had is this super sensible perception book. It's about how do many a people who want more than just saying, you need to be awake. You need to be awake. More than that, how do we want to understand this? That's what today's show is about. Quantum physics meets stranger things. Here we go. Dr. Joy, great to have you here. Hey, happy to be with you. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I worked at Bell Labs, so that's what I was alluding to. I, I worked at Bell Labs for a long time. And uh, part of the job, one of the jobs I had was I started in the mailroom at $61 a week, and I pushed a mail cart. But I happened to push a mail cart to Building 15. And I was introduced to some of the most interesting aspects of science, and I, had a, I didn't have a clue. So here's what I want to ask you. Was your journey, what we're about to talk about, this book, your purpose in the world, what was it that bridged for you, or better yet, like a diagram, like when you go out to a diner and they have these pictures where you have to connect the dots and draw a picture, what was it that helped you connect the dots of your experience in this life, maybe even past life? to be able to bring this message forward today? Well, it was a rather eye-opening experience I had. Um, I, when I was growing up, I loved science fiction. My dad was a colonel in the Air Force, and he used to like to read science fiction with me, and we'd sit on a big blanket and read it. So from early on, I loved science. I wanted to invent a time machine or something. And uh, I even got a ham radio license when I was 14, and I... I thought that was really cool because I could talk to people over invisible waves. It was like communicating through the invisible, I don't know, it was just mystical to me. So anyway, I started out with a physics scholarship. Uh, I had made a Van de Graaff generator in a science fair, which put out huge sparks, and I wrote up some things about it, and people were impressed. Their hair would stand on end. (laughs) And so I went into... uh, physics, and I got a physics scholarship, but but uh, physics is very material in lots of ways, you know, dealing with uh, measuring things and that you can see and weigh. Uh, my second year, I, I changed to mathematics, pure mathematics, because I thought it was so cool. It was like a kind of transcendental, and I was brought up pretty religious. I was brought up as a Roman Catholic, so I had a spiritual side to me anyway. It sort of drifted away a little bit in college uh, until my... Just before my fourth year, I was studying laser communication theory and 
quantum mechanics and things. And I had the experience in summer. I had married very early. I was 20 when we married. Um, I married an art student. And so all our friends were in the art department. And so I guess that's my excuse for finding myself on the beach in California taking a very large dose of LSD, which I don't think many engineers do. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, I wanted to, you know, I, I had read something in Life magazine that uh, if you take LSD, you can actually communicate with God. So I thought, wow, that's better than ham radio even, you know. <laughs> so I actually wanted to experience it and at least see what other people were talking about, because... Uh, Knowledge by experience, I think, trumps knowledge by reading books or hearing things. Anyway, it was a real eye-opener. I have to say that one experience. Uh, uh, here's what it was. As your senior year in science, you have to kind of decide what to specialize on. So you think about what, what really is new in science and the boundary, the frontier of science to explore. Oh, wow, I found myself all that night... Uh, uh, experiencing like the cosmos for the first time outside of myself or inside of myself or maybe both I, there was like an ocean of different entities floating around and, and some of them were colorful and they had feelings and it just uh, it was quite unexpected for a kind of conservative engineering student and <laughs> but but after that experience the next morning I realized wow this is the real frontier of science and for sure most science is going to go in this direction pretty quick because it's totally unknown, but it's all real. Uh, so that sort of started my my life interest in uh, something not quite in the in the normal range of, of the current sciences, which mostly deal with the external world, the physical world, things they can measure and see and weigh. And uh, science is kind of built like little Legos. Uh, little building blocks, starting with the, the fundamentals, and they build upon it. So if you start talking about God or the Spirit or um, anything that's not really connected to that, that current set of Legos they have, they totally dismiss it. They say, no, if you want to talk about consciousness, you need to go talk to the philosophers. Unfortunately, the philosophers never studied any math or electrical engineering, I thought. Right. That's right. So that's, that's pretty much how I got started. <laughs> well, you know, I love this because I, look, a million times I've said this on air. I'm talking to you because 15 years ago, I dialed a wrong phone number and didn't hang up and pulled out a credit card and paid close to $10,000 for 13 weeks of internet-only radio. Okay, so can you feel me on this? You're an engineer. Wow, yeah. <laughs> 2003, internet, radio, what? So when I think about it now, and I think about it now because I'm asked a lot of questions, and that's why I ask you that question, and we're going to have so much fun with your book, I love your book, um, is because I knew at that time that I could not explain the quantum field of transposing a number, dialing the number, a girl from New York, that's me, getting a wrong number, but not hanging up because you're intrigued by whoever picks up the phone. You're looking for a man named Tracy. You end up with a woman named Tacy that has a man's voice. And here you are 15 years later. And every other hour of radio that happened, happened that way. But your book, your book, yeah, synchronicity, I, I think say, it's called. Yeah? Exactly. 
But one of the things that I was really struck by was the invitation that you have, and I want to talk about this when we come back, and I want to talk about Steiner. The invitation you have is to opening the inner eye to new dimensions. See, that's the thing right now that I believe we get a glimpse of, and yet to maintain it, we are failing horribly. And so who's this Steiner dude? Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Join the new earth on the Cornelia Stephanie show. Tune in each month as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate, and empower. Cornelia Stephanie is a spiritual teacher, passionate speaker, published author, and founder of the Empower Network. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. For more information, go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Hi, I'm Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan for Life course. Do you want the knowledge and wisdom to understand where spirituality, science, and psychology intersect? Then join the Karmic Path Radio Show with Tina and Laura on TransformationTalkRadio.com Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow this charmingly, disarmingly dynamic duo as they explore how psychic ability, spirituality, and karmic law tie together. For more information on Tina, Laura, and their groundbreaking work, visit thekarmicpath.com. The truth is funny. Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Learn and explore fascinating and practical uses of essential oils, how to use them, and how they can enhance your everyday life. The Oil Lounge was founded by three remarkable women with fascinating stories about how essential oils changed their lives. Tina and Laura from The Karmic Path have joined forces to educate the masses in the benefits of Young Living Essential Oils. For more information, visit theoillounge.com. Are you feeling stuck in unhealthy habits, toxic relationships, or low self-esteem? Do you crave a healthy relationship filled with inspiration? You might just be on the verge, on the verge of attracting your soulmate. Tune in each month to The Laura Richer Show, where dating coach Laura Richer share tools for using your dating breakdown for a relationship breakthrough. For more information, visit richerhealinghypnosis.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today, one of the things we're doing is we're talking about what does it mean? What does it mean to step into the realm of developing super sensible perception? You know, one of my favorite, favorite things to talk about is perception. You know, as a matter of fact, I spent 10 years researching one aspect of it to demonstrate that perception, if we say perception, that is perception reality. 
Today, I'm so thrilled to introduce all of you to the world of Shelley Joy. And, you know, Benny, we have three copies of the book to give away, which is Developing Sensible Perception by, of course, my guest, Shelley Joy. So let's give away the first copy, 1-800-930-2819, 1-800-930-2819. You know, Shelley, thank you for today. One of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to start with the book title, if we could, because I wanted to, to, to really look at super sensible perception, because if I say it, many people are going to have an inclination of what we mean, but they are not going to be able to weave the web that you've created, even created with the work of somebody like a Rudolf Steiner. So let's dive deeply into the 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 essence, right, of what super sensible perception is. Because the first thing that somebody might ask, do I have that? <laughs> right. Well, uh, actually, that was a, uh, a term uh, that Steiner used. He wrote a book called um, uh, The Acquisition of Super Sensible Perception. And uh, he, he wrote over like 600 books and pamphlets and gave innumerable lectures uh, the idea is that that there are, that our consciousness is evolving and our sensory system is also evolving, but there are some sensory systems that can give you knowledge of what he called the higher worlds or the invisible realms. And Steiner was able to to develop his own and uh, come in contact with various uh, conscious entities in the what he called the higher worlds. Uh, and he developed a series of techniques and a sort of a map to help people practically uh, uh, develop it. There, it's like developing a, a, a plant, like a coleus plant or something, by watering it. And the watering part is like meditation, mindfulness. So uh, Steiner was, uh, I, think, I think to encapsulate his idea, he came up with three types of thinking, passive thinking, active thinking and intuitive thinking. And the passive thinking, we're all getting really good at that, doing like Netflix binging and, you know, you listen to advertisements, innumerable things every day, you're listening and, and reading. Uh, it's pretty much passive thinking. You're absorbing information and uh, children, when they're learning, they're, they're, they're doing passive thinking. Active thinking is something that's a little bit more uh, categorically different it's developed uh, through education, through, you know, high school, college. Uh, uh, not everyone even who goes through college really develops really good active thinking, but it, it's thinking for yourself and using logic and having a good vocabulary and being able to remember things. That's active thinking. You. That's pretty much where our educational system is today, and that's the problem, because the third type, type, of, type of thinking that Steiner uh, stressed was called intuitive thinking. And intuitive thinking, in fact, that's kind of stressed in the Waldorf schools. There's quite a few Waldorf schools. Uh, he, he founded the Waldorf uh, techniques. I think there's 800 schools in, in Europe and about 200 in the U.S. But uh, intuitive thinking is, is from the word in intuition, looking inward, inward into yourself, uh, deep into yourself and being taught by what you find there. So it goes 
down below and deeper than active thinking into uh, an intuitive way of perceiving. And many cultures have had this sort of idea. I mean, uh, some cultures have talked about that the heart is the organ of thinking. I think in Japan, the characters for, for, the, for mind are the same as heart. So the heart thinks in a sort of an intuitive way, and I think Steiner would stress that as, as a mode of intuitive thinking, inner thinking. And just like uh, education to, to become an active thinker, you know, to become a psychologist or an accountant, you have to study and spend some time. You, to develop intuitive thinking, you also have to spend some time. You have to actually practice something, which is called uh, different things in different traditions. In Buddhism, I think it's called mindfulness. Probably many of your audience probably knows the term mindfulness right now. And Steiner developed a whole series of uh, uh, ways of trying to cultivate that, that new way of perceiving. Uh, most of them are described briefly in my book. And the key is, one of the keys is silence, inner silence. Silencing the inner dialogue. We're, we're so full of words. And words are wonderful tools, but they can also be like a two-edged sword. They can, they can sort of limit you, you. If you only have words... Uh, if you don't have words for something, it's very hard to even remember what it was. So if you take a, an entheogen like LSD or even cannabis sometimes, you'll have experiences that are really hard to put in words because we don't have words for it. But uh, that shouldn't deter people. You, the experience of Steiner was the primary thing. And every time you go into the silence, if you're really able to, to quiet down your cognitive mind, the internal verbal stream, you know, it has, it's like an inbox with all kinds of thoughts waiting to pop up, you know, like, uh, what am I having for dinner, or does my <laughs> boss really hate me, or, you know, uh, or is this working, or how long have I been meditating? You're supposed to just find a real quiet, using mindfulness, and, as they say in Buddhism, in a quiet place. And Steiner says it works really, really well in, in nature, too. If you go out in nature, hopefully you get away from airports and trains and, and traffic. The, the silence of nature is a good place to practice. But I find uh, I can really do it anywhere. What I do is I carry around a few earplugs, uh, little earplugs. They're really good ones. Uh, they've been developed by people who like to shoot, I guess. <laughs> people who shoot need earplugs so they don't hear the, the guns go off. And... Uh, so if I'm in a noisy place, like I'm traveling in a hotel and I need to meditate, I just put my earplugs in and sit down and uh, sit on either a couple of pillows or I usually carry around a, a, a zafu, you know, a, a Japanese uh, meditation cushion. And if I don't sit for 30 minutes a day now, I can really tell the difference. It's like having an electric car that's running out of charge. Um, I really believe that when you sit silently, you're doing several things. One is you're resting the rest of your brain, the, the active uh, monkey mind chatter brain. You're resting it, so it'll have more energy for when it wants to really talk and come up with ideas in active thinking. But you're also, hopefully, able to contact your inner self, you know, the inner intuitive self. And uh, traditionally, many cultures have discovered this, uh, especially in India, they have a real technology of it. Uh, but Steiner talked about it also, 
by focusing on certain areas within your body and quieting your, your active monkey mind activity, you start to feel that area, and things, according to Steiner and according to my experience, actually, things start to develop. So uh, in Christianity, for instance, uh, especially my early Catholic tradition, there's a big, a big focus on the sacred heart of Jesus. So people would focus on their heart and try to feel, feel the heart area while the mind is really, really quiet. And, you know, what spontaneously usually starts to happen is a feeling of warmth and love. And the warmth is easily explained because whenever you focus on an area of your body, the capillaries expand, and more blood goes into that area. And more blood means more, more warmth, more, more heat. Uh, my son did a science fair project once on the biofeedback. So we got little things you would clip on your finger, and you sit there, and you focus on your that finger. You just try to feel it. And you can actually watch the temperature go up several degrees. It's really amazing. In the beginning, it may not work too well because you're not used to focusing, but, but after a while, you get really good at it. You can, like, raise your fingertip temperature four or five degrees, you know, and you see the little meter go. But uh, there are other areas of the body that in India they call chakras that, uh, that you can focus on, like your, the center of your head is a really good one, uh, your throat chakra, and then the heart, we've, we've already talked about that. And then uh, there's, there's a really famous one right in your center of your abdomen where you can focus. And mm-hmm. the Russians, the Russian mystics used to go around saying uh, a little mantra and focusing on their abdomen and their belly. And what that does is it's, it quiets your, your verbal mind, it quiets you down, and it shifts your awareness down to a different part of your body and these, these chakras are also happen to be areas where there are nerve plexes, lots of nerves and tiny capillaries and, and usually part of the endocrine system. So by focusing on your awareness in those areas, they actually help those areas start to grow yeah. in, in, you know, yeah. and you start to be able to almost tune in yeah. to certain frequencies that are coming in from the cosmos. Yeah. Uh, See, look, here, here's Sorry, what I love, long, well, know, but, 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 uh, but I need to get down to it when we come back from break, because this okay. is what I want people to understand about what you've got in this book. So once upon a time, um, I was at my, uh, well, depressed is like an understatement, if I could just say that, right? I don't no, think I've we have there. a word <laughs> for the condition that's worse than depression. Right. I don't think like I have a Ph.D. in psychology and I don't know of a word. So here's the deal, though. I was handed a book and I love that you're talking about Steiner because I was handed a book. And this is a book that no matter what woman I work with and I work with women, I do work with a few men, but it doesn't matter who I work with. The first thing I do is I mail them this book. And sometimes people read the book. Other times, this is how I know if people really want to work with me or not. And I know you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, what is the book? Here they go. I get one or two reactions. One is, seriously, you want me to read a book? Why am I hiring you? So I already know that they're not the people that that really want to work with me. (laughs) So they self-select themselves out. 
but the other people that come to the table, the other people that come to the table get the book and say something like, something like, what is this? What is this? What is this book? And they say, but first of all, the title is not politically correct, Pat. You work with women. Why would you send me a book that's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? When we come back, we are going to tell you why. Because it's a direct relationship between developing super super sensible perception, the work that you've done, the way you've captured, I must say, the way you've captured... Uh, Steiner's work, right? The way that you captured it, because here's what we're going to talk about when we come back. This is at the core of how to not survive, but thrive in today's world. And by the way, what you just talked about, that is not going to get any, any better. We are going to be at an accelerated pace of electromagnetic signals frequency, and we are no longer going to use the limited 11% of our brain. We are no longer going to be able to do that because that Austrian-born scientific genius, right, Mr. Rudolph, right, his deal was that free spiritual activity, which you so beautifully talk about a book, and he talked about this the way you did, but you explained how to do it. Human ability to think intuitively, well, he nailed the cognitive path for us. But why did I mention Frankel? Frankel did it. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we are getting into this exactly what Dr. I got to tell you, this is it. This is exactly what we wanted to talk about today because Dr. Shelley Renee Joy has nailed this, not just about this is what it is and this is who did it, but we are talking about how we manifest, and and this is brilliantly written because I like the science and the spirituality. So when we talk about a single extensive molecule of water in in dipolar in geometry, and we talk about antenna and generating complex magnetic field, why are we talking about it in this book? When we come back, we're gonna tell you why, because you know what Steiner did? astral body of consciousness, a super cell. That's what each of us has the ability. And Viktor Frankl, oh boy, he didn't know he did it, but he demonstrated it. We'll be right back. To see your life from an angel's perspective, book a personal consultation with Claire Candy Huff. Angelic walk-in angel Ariel at Angel Healing House. Candy provides intuitive counseling, Reiki, and angel readings in person in Los Angeles or nationally and internationally via phone or Skype. She will channel the practical tools you need to transform your life. Call now, 831-277-3716 or visit angelhealinghouse.com. It's time to step into the power of yes. Creating the life you want is up to you. The power comes from saying yes to ourselves, yes to possibilities, and yes to change. Are you ready? Start achieving your goals and moving life in the direction you want. Tune in each month to Yes Minded Power Radio with Barbara Scheidegger to start living your future now. For more information about the show and working with Barbara, visit yesmindedpower.com. 
A word of caution, if you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Are you ready to shift your current beliefs about death? From debilitating pain and loss? Follow Angie Corbett Kuiper as she shares that through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind that anything is possible, even in death. Tune in to Beyond Proof Radio with Angie, redefining death and loss every first and third Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more, visit BeyondProof.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Benny, did you play Olivia? I did. A little Xanadu for you. Ew! <laughs> what happened to my girlfriend, Olivia? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text Michael, her yeah, PR we gotta person. Get her back. Yeah, we got to get her back. Well, she got married. Oh, and she, well, she went you know, off with uh, Amazon John, but that's a whole nother right. show. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, everybody, look. 1-800-930-2819. Developing super sensible perception. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This book is not for you if you don't want to understand why people talk about meditation, heart math, and all of the above. This book is for you if you want to understand how the quantum brain dynamics and the astral plane will get you to truly understanding and manifest the life you want. Because those of us are like, you know what? I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. I just don't want all of you out there to go through what I went through and step in the potholes that I stepped into because it can be painful. Uh, but today, this book, I cannot believe that, you know, Shelly Renee Joy wrote a book in so few pages that touch on so many important concepts with diagrams. I, I'm telling you, she, you I, I should have got Shelly to help me with my dissertation. Shelly, before we dig deep into this, look, how can people find out more about you? Did I lose Shelly? Uh, looks like we did. I will call back. All right. Sorry about that. Okay. So Benny's going to do that. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk a little bit about this one page. Electromagnetic field as mind. What? Electromagnetic fields as mind. So before the break, I was talking about Viktor Frankl. So yeah. So for those of you out there, the book 
that I hand every single one of my uh, coaching clients that I work with, and I work with about a handful a year, I hand them one book. And the book is called Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. It is a must, it is a must read. But it's also more than that for me. I was given this book at the most painful time in my life. Painful time in my life. And when I was given the book, I was furious that somebody thought that if I read this book, that somehow, some way, I would magically be changed. I was. And Shelly, what you've done, uh, what you've done in this book, and the way that you've taken us on this journey, I think in my 15 years doing this, it's one of the more masterful weaving of science and spirituality. And I want to thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, can you tell folks how they can get a copy of the book? And I think, Benny, we're giving copies away here, but how they can get their own copy of the book, number one, and how, they, how can they find out more about you? Uh, Amazon.com has has the book for order, it, and it won't be released till August 6th, but that's just a few days, a week away. And it'll also appear in bookstores. It's called Developing Supersensible Perception, Knowledge of the Higher Worlds Through Entheogens, Prayer, and Non-Dual Awareness. So thing number one, I got to say, I have, I think in 15 years, yes, no, I want to make a correction. There was one other book I did get, oh, actually every book by this author, that probably had more citations than your, bu your book, more scientific citations. And what I mean by that, uh, those for those people, these are footnotes that say, I didn't make this up. This is where it comes from. And that has to do with just about every book that Greg Braden ever wrote. But this brings to the forefront, and this is what I want to talk with you about. I had to go back to the diagram in the book, and I'll tell you where it is. Uh, but not that you're going to have to explain it, but it's the diagram on page 112 where you're talking about the cosmology of consciousness. And I looked at this book, and I almost want to get a T-shirt made of this diagram. And you call it the typology of consciousness, and I think it's Prebram's diagram? Yes. Uh-huh. And non-local you talk about non-local and local okay so here's what i want to say about it this obviously was important enough for you to put in the book obviously it has some meaning because uh Prebram wrote about brain and perception are we really capable of understanding this and by the way can you talk about what it means to enact this model in real-time life? Well, okay, this is a big ah, order. Uh, yes. I, you know, I've tried to, um, I, within the book, not only, I think the first half is on Steiner's techniques and, yep. uh, and teachings, kind of distilled. The second half is uh, a long chapter on my own biography uh, that has to do with how I awakened to metaphysics from physics. And then the final part of the book is actually a theory of the physics of consciousness based on the work of Carl Pribram, who came out with a holographic idea of mind, and David Bohm, who was a theoretical physicist who, who really did some groundbreaking work on consciousness and the implicate order. Uh, according to Bohm, 
the world is uh, cosmologically, the grand picture, it's divided into two regions. The explicate order, which is our normal everyday world of space-time, space and time, and the implicate order. The implicate order has no space and no time. And uh, it's sort of a timeless uh, region where all information is collected. In India, they, the mystics call it the Akasha. Uh, they talk about the Akashic records. If you can connect with the implicate order or the Akasha, uh, every bit of experience and, and information is, is, is resides there. And Steiner connected with that region, too. So uh, it's based on physics, and it's based on the speed of light. Uh, uh, the beginning of quantum physics is based on the quantum and the speed of light measurement. So there's something called the Planck length, which is 10 to the minus 35 meters. It's very, very small. It's a very small. Uh, space can't get smaller than 10 to the minus 35 meters, according to the all of the theories of quantum physics that have resulted in our iPhones and our technology, our electronic technology. Uh, but so what is below, if you consider a sphere that's that diameter, 10 to the minus 35 meters, within that sphere, there's no space and no time. Well, you can think of uh, Leibniz, the great philosopher, talked about a plenum, a plenum of tiny little spheres, that's the basis of all space-time. And David Bohm and Carl Pribram worked out a theory called the Holoflux theory of consciousness that, that, that at the base, inside each one of us, within each atom, but much, much smaller, is, is these tiny little micro-black holes called quantum holospheres. They're 10 to the minus 35 meters in diameter. And that basically, they say, and Bohm, the physicist, said, basically, consciousness is in the implicate order. And it's one. But what it does is it radiates out into each one of us, and each one of us is like an avatar. Probably most of you have seen the movie Avatar. Our bodies are like avatars for the consciousness that's looking out from the implicate order. So that's what that diagram on page 112 tries to show. I've tried really hard to write the book so that people without mm, deep mathematics or science backgrounds can understand it. So I've included like 40 diagrams to try to help uh, convey the information without people having to know Sanskrit or, uh, or quantum mechanics. Uh, so that's what that diagram is. It shows consciousness looking out from the non-local implicate order into the local explicate order of space-time, our normal world. So what do I mean by non-local? Well, non-local means in the implicate order, everything is touching. There is no space and there's no time. So it was there before the beginning of the world. It's there parallel to our time right now, and it'll be there after the universe uh, vanishes. And of course, in Indian philosophy, they think that the universe is vanishes every now and then, and then comes back and vanishes and comes back. And then there are other philosophies that say there's countless universes in different dimensions. But that, That's a whole other study of metaphysics, mm -hmm. I suppose. But the diagram basically shows that within us, say if you focus on your heart and you really get practicing mindfulness mm -hmm. and you start to feel warmth in your heart, 
if you're able to really suspend all of your words, thinking in words, try not to think in words, try not to let your memory start, you know, bring up, dredge up memories, just be here now. I think that was a, a great book by Baba Ram Das, the PhD yes, from Harvard yeah. who worked with Leary. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can actually, according to Steiner and others, start to communicate with the, impl- the implicate order. And as you, as, you, as you try to reach down into that depth uh, of being, and some call the implicate order God, uh, the, the God the Father, the, the, he's not really in space-time, but he's there everywhere at the very fundamental bottom of it, and the tiniest, tiniest dimension where space and time begin. So that's pretty much what that diagram shows. It shows Planck's constant. Uh, the event horizon is 10 to the minus 35 meters, and outside of that is the universe. And it's God within the implicate order, or if you don't like to use the word God, you can call it the implicate order, which quantum mechanics call it, is its consciousness peering out into the, the projected world. And, of course, Pribram talked about the holonomic theory of consciousness, that the whole world is a hologram. In fact, uh, David Bohm, his friend, the physicist, said, if we didn't have uh, lenses in our eyes, the whole world we would see as a hologram. Mm-hmm. But the lenses are able to sort of uh, decode the hologram into things that look uh, much more clear to us. So did that yeah. kind of yeah. no, it answer did. the because diagram question? There are a lot more diagrams. So There's a lot more diagrams, but this one in particular really I wanted to talk to because I know our time is short. You know, one of the things that I referenced, especially when that person gave me this book that I that I talked about, had to do with the conversation that Frankel was having as he described spirit and he described prayer and he described the the, the fact that even in the most physical and mental primitiveness of life in a concentration camp, that it was possible for spiritual life to to deepen. But as he did that, he talked to something that you literally grasp in the essence of the book. And what he talked to was, as he stumbled into the darkness to go through, you know, his work detail one day, slipping on ice, people supporting each other. Occasionally they looked at the sky, right? Something hit him. And he said that he thought about, you know, this dark bank of clouds, but that his mind clung to his wife's image, imagining it with uncanny acuteness. See that his mind clung to his wife's image. So what's underneath there? His heart, right? So his mind clung, right? I love the way he talks about this because you have presented the thesis for it here and the solution for it. Because what he talked to, he said he heard her answer him. He saw her smile, you know, her frank and encouraging look, whether it was real or not. But this is see what we're talking about in meditation. But then here's what he said. That's almost what what you're trying to tell us now. And he said that he grasped the meaning of the greatest secret, the greatest secret of what he called poetry and human thought and belief. And here's what he came to. The salvation of man is through love and in love. And 
how often do we say that? But, you know, as we look at these stories, especially the stories in the book and what you're presenting, and then we look at the contrast in the world today. You know, for me, I am struck by the contrast of how easily it is for us to participate in hate. But then I'm struck by what is the true pathway to creativity, innovation, consciousness, but also intuition. And you present a beautiful way to say, look, this is available to everyone. It's not just available to Steiner, the two modes of consciousness, but it's available to everyone. And I want to ask you this question as sort of the last place to go. I know we have to, our time is short. You've really looked at this in depth. Certainly Steiner has, certainly Bohm has, certainly Frankel has. And yet here we are in modern time with a level and degree of suffering unlike anything we've seen before. The degree by which the body has chronic illness has never been higher. The degree of suicides has never been higher. What gets in the way for us of literally doing exactly what you said? Yes, I think uh, we're in a very critical time of history where we've, 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 we've developed active thinking to the ultimate degree that we're almost like dinosaurs. And our science is kind of like that, too. It's totally looking outward on material things and material science. And uh, it's stopped looking inward. So people don't, they're losing touch with their religions, their family, traditional religions, and spiritual practices. When I grew up in the Catholic Church, they never taught anything about mysticism or meditation. But there's a lot of it written in the Middle Ages. But I think the sciences have just tried to... Uh, overtake, overwhelm everything, and uh, by looking outwards, instead of looking inwards intuitively into the silent inner silence and letting something grow in that inner inner space. Uh, and mysticism is called kenosis. You you empty yourself like a vessel. You know, it's like your your body becomes the temple of the soul, and when it's empty. That's the chance when it starts to fill with, with something that's alive and real, the spirit that can teach you. And science said that the, that's, that's the whole goal, is to contact the inner teacher within you. And I have to say, one of my next books is going to be on cannabis spirituality, because mm-hmm. I, I practice meditation every day, but I take a little bit of cannabis before I sit down in the dark and meditate. Because the hydrocarbons breaking down in the bloodstream release this energy that sort of uh, that, that mixes with your own consciousness and expands the the wavelength uh, of the of the the information you can receive. So you know, I've always been kind of appalled that people only use cannabis for uh, a recreation, like you know, go to a movie or go to a dance or something. But you know, it. it Entheogens is a word that's used for drugs that are used with skillful means for spiritual reasons, Mm -hmm. to get closer to God, to get closer to your internal intuitive thinking modes, so that that the universe can teach you from within, and, and they teach you with love, and 
I think it's really the antidote to all the hatred and division we have in our material society right now. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the science has worked so well to give us iPhones and wonderful high-res, you know, devices that that science has become sort of the mm-hmm. new religion. And I think Steiner would. Uh, Steiner actually was a scientist himself. He went to the Vienna Institute of Technology. And I think that's why I fell in love with him, because he not only was a, a mystic and a teacher, but he had a very solid basis in science. Of course, it was science yeah. in Vienna in the late 1800s. But I really encourage people to, to tr- try, and those who have a religion within their own cultural, social uh, background should should try to stay within their own religion t- uh, as they explore the inner domains, yeah. because there, there's a real power to having some tradition to work within. Uh, to have a prayer, for instance. I usually say a few prayers before I try to go into total mm-hmm. silence. And prayers are, can be kind of like an airlock. You know how in space you, mm-hmm. you can't go from inside the ship to outside in the vast universe without an airlock. Well, praying and liturgy... Uh, is, is a very important transition way of making that shift from the everyday world of business and family and politics and all that. Saying prayers, in India they call them mantras, they repeat them over and over and over, but right. also in the Christian tradition, there's the Sacred Heart of Jesus yeah. prayer yeah. in Russia. Yeah, but you know, it is the foundation of so much, even for people that don't want to call them prayers. Uh, Shelley, thank you for today. I want to thank you for today. And by the way, for uh, you, the, the text message I just got, here's what I want to say. When we dig deep into some of the more, let's just call it pivotal bodies of work, and I'll give you an example, 12-step programs, Bill Wilson, what happened to Bill? Bill had a spiritual awakening through something called Belladonna. That's how that spiritual component moved forward in the 12-step programs. But the question really is, what is it that's going to open your heart? And I think, Shelley, what you've done is provided a pathway for us to look at that. Thank you so much for today. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.